is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Coach Chiesa coming up here shortly. We'll ask uh, Coach what he thinks uh, about how the Utah Jazz are playing and certainly what happened last night in Denver and uh, the Jazz getting ready for the Detroit Pistons coming up tomorrow. Um, that game's going to tip off at 8 o'clock, so we've got a late one uh, tomorrow, Gordon, but uh, right here at Vivint Arena. Yeah, I'm looking forward to see how the Jazz rebound from what happened uh, yesterday. Yeah, I'm curious to see uh, Blake Griffin because the first time we saw Blake Griffin this year, he he looked like a shell of his former self. But then last week, uh, he dialed back the clock and uh, really took it to the Lakers. So I wonder what kind of performance we're going to get from him. But let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, of course, longtime Utah Jazz assistant, Long time in the league. He's our good friend, Coach Gordy Chiesa. What's going on, Coach? Guys, I'm doing well. Thank you. Oh, I love I love that uh, we're coming in with Redbone. I love that's a thing. Coach. I love Redbone. 1974, Jake. Amazing song. See, this you. is the thing. This is the thing I appreciate about Gordy. I mean, he he knows his music, man. He knows he not just the old time stuff, the new time stuff as well. I mean, Gordy, it's impressive. I thank you. I should have been studying. I could have been an accountant <laughs> instead of being a basketball coach. Yikes. Well, then we would, uh, wouldn't have one of the great basketball minds, Coach. No, thank you. But speaking you right of minds, it's interesting about the, the Denver Nuggets yesterday because they had a mindset where they refused to lose, and they started the game out early with uh, unbelievable play. And the Jazz, unfortunately, they didn't have that edge, which they always had during that 11-game winning streak. And with the... Nikolai Jokic, his brilliance just took over the game from the start and just carried over throughout. So let me ask about that, Gordy, because is it because these players are human? Or what causes a team to come out loose on defense the way the Jazz did, lacking intensity, not playing up to the standard that they'd set? Human behavior. Now, the coaching staff prepared the team um, excellent. But what happens, though, there's a mental letdown. And, by the way, the other guys don't cooperate. So, remember, two weeks ago on that Sunday, the Jazz won a hellacious game in Denver, 109-105, where the Jazz were the, had the edge throughout the game. And so the Nuggets are coming off a loss to Spurs the Jazz coming off an easy win, and now the 11-game winning streak, let's all meet in, in my house city, and that was all part of it. But Jokic, to his credit, he was less pass-happy. Usually he, he's always gets a, he flirts in a triple-double all the time. But yesterday he only, only had those five assists. But it's how he's got his points where he was absolutely determined that he was going to uh, have his will as far as uh, any the Jazz defensive players. They started bogey on him. They, he slid into the post, and he tried to they called knockoff defense to Jazz when suddenly Rudy t- took him. The letter on it was Rudy. The letter on it was, it was Derek Favors. And so whoever guarding him, Jokic had that cadence dribble, and he was able to uh, uh, navigate and make plays and shots. Have we ever seen a big man like Jokic? Does he have a, a historical comparison? Well, I, I, Dirk Nowitzki. That's who he plays like. Dirk was seven foot also. 
Now, Dirk was a, a, a much more accomplished suit, a shooter. Not that uh, Jokic is not. He is. But Dirk had more of a fluidity to his game. But both these guys were seven foot. And, Jake, the learning point about this is that the European influence, where the European players are they're positionless, truly, where seven footers play uh, outside and sometimes small, smaller players play in the mid block, but they all play all around game. And in the 1992 Olympics, which is the original dream team, that's when it took off as far as uh, – global basketball with highly skilled European players. They used to say about European kids that they're finesse slash soft, but that's not true. The last 10 years, led by Mano Ginobili, she said the last 20 years, that that is absolutely not true. Mano from Argentina, but Jokic from Serbia, and Dirk from, uh, from, uh, from uh, Germany, and, um, and, and, and uh, Dantic from Slovenia. So, Gordy, in, moving forward... What can Rudy Gobert, what can Derek Favors do to contain uh, – they can't stop him, I get that. But what can they do to keep him from going off like that? What you want to do is for – you have to have a mindset now. So when uh, Jokic, which is really a skilled player, he's a footwork player, where he's out on perimeter and he dribbles hands off or fake dribbles hands off, you've got to uh, have a, a perimeter um, defensive stance. So here's the question, Gordon and Jake. You, we're, we're asking somebody that's seven foot that used to elevating not to uh, bend their knees and get that flick hand. A flick hand means that for every dribble Jokic takes on perimeter, we call that, that hop dribble, you should have one short flick hand flicking at his ball to slow down his cadence dribble so that he really can't see the floor all the time. So every, one bounce, a flick. Two bounces, two flicks, etc., etc. And then even better, can you imagine this, Jake and Gordon, where you start the game and you pick Jokic's pocket off the dribble, and now for the next maybe quarter and a half, he's less uh, active and more protective on that bounce. So we, uh, we talked this for years about when you start a game, you've got to be up into the offensive elite score and take away his dribble to make him absolutely um, less aggressive and then suddenly your, your hand quickness takes over on perimeter. Coach Chiesa with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coach, uh, Rudy and Mike Conley have developed a nice pick-and-roll uh, relationship, and they're playing together pretty much all the time. Quinn Snyder has had them on the floor together. How hard is it to develop – uh, that type of chemistry. Should we be surprised that it didn't work right away with those two, that it just needed time? Needs time, absolutely. And just add to that, Joe Ingles, that guy has given Rudy more passes than, than, uh, than anybody in, in jazz basketball. So Joe also is involved in that group. Now, with, with, with Michael uh, Conley, uh, Rudy sets the screen. Uh, we call it peekaboo where you peek over your shoulder and you see in the coverage, is your defensive player up in the coverage or is center field? Most times they're center field, so Rudy's got to navigate and get that quick roll, and then he tries to seal off and, or the lob pass. So it's a timing, like any situation, whether it's the NFL or the NBA, when you're a receiver catching the ball, there's a timing issue. And so Mike Conley's learning when Rudy's peaks and he starts making that timely cut to the basket. He's hitting him in stride versus hitting him flat-footed that Rudy's got to elevate. Joe Ingles had done that from the beginning, so it's not even Mitchell. It just takes time. 
Gordy, I know Quinn likes that ball to move around and take those three-point shots when they're available. How do you feel, that said, how do you feel about Rudy Gobert and Derek Favors being on the floor together at the same time? It just hasn't happened much. Well, there's value to it. In other words, there absolutely is value, you know, where you just can't paint the uh, canvas with one broad stroke. There'll be certain games where you might have to play uh, a too big, not all the time, but some of the time. So, for example, I heard Jake mention about Blake Griffin, who's uh, has been up and down year. He originally played well the last uh, 10 days or so. So Blake Griffin's really um, a big guy that wants to play some of the time outside. And the center is um, Mason Plumley. So maybe in tomorrow night's game, it's possible to play those two bigs for, say, um, for 12 to, 12, 12 to 14 minutes a game, not in a row, but during the game, to match up with them. Or do you always match up, try to match up down, and force the other team to, um, to play against you? Let's not forget, though, the Jazz are first in the NBA in overall rebounding. So the narrative, you cannot say that the Jets are getting pounded on the boards because they're number one overall and they're third, in, third as far as uh, in offensive rebounding. So despite uh, with only one big man, you know, most of the time, the Jets are doing a great job as far as rebounding by committee. Coach Chiesa is with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We just saw the Mavericks, uh, Coach, and they, they ran into a red-hot Jazz team, there's no doubt, but uh, they have kind of underperformed this year. What's going on in Dallas? Yeah, they're disarray. Well, the first thing, Jake, they're less than the NBA in three-point shooting. So as the Jazz are, of, of the Jazz are third in the NBA as far as accuracy behind the uh, Clippers and the Nets, 39.9. The Mavericks are 32.4 from threes. And so, and that set them back. Przingis doesn't want to bang. No, I, again, uh, he's a finesse player coming off an injury, but he's absolutely uh, passive on the floor. So he's got to figure out mentally, uh, he's got to get more involved. And more involved means what? Shot blocking, physicality, getting chased down rebounds, uh, not relying only on uh, shooting that. Um, a flat-footed three-point shot. And so Dodgers is still playing at a high level, but their defense has slipped and their three-point shooting is absolutely wobbly. Gordy, uh, oftentimes when Quinn Snyder is asked about uh, how good the Jazz offense has been, he's talked about the defense. Will you color in between the lines there about the relationship one with the other? Is it as simple as creating fast break points? What? What? Why does defense have such a huge effect on the offense? Because I noticed in that first half yesterday, that was a big problem for the Jazz. The defensive intensity, like we talked about, wasn't there, and it seemed to hurt the Jazz at the other end. Very much also. So it's absolutely in lockstep. So often in most, most games, whether it's a – whether it's grammar school, high school, JC, or a big bad NBA, your defense sets up your offense versus your offense setting up your defense, the intensity. In other words, when you play active defense, I can't explain it, Jake. It's like Murphy's Law. I'm not that smart. But when you play intense defense in a stance, the ball always finds you offensively. I can't explain it, Jake, but it happens. And so the, when the Jazz are locked in defensively, and most times they are, they shoot spectacular, and a ball's hopping on perimeter. Unfortunately, in the Denver yesterday, it wasn't. So, Gordon, there's a direct correlation between active defense and, and ball movement. Let's not forget, though, the Jazz right now are fifth in the NBA in overall uh, defense as far as contesting shots. 
So if they can test shots, meaning as a second jumper on perimeter, only good things happen. But yesterday, Jokic, he, he was absolutely surgical of how he played the game offensively. Coach, I understand you have a very timely list for us today. Yes, I do, Jake. This list today is in honor of, uh, of our favorite Aussie with a swag, Joe Ingles. It is the Utah Jazz franchise career leaders in made three-point shots as a member of the Jazz. So you have to play for the Jazz X amount of years to be on this list. So the career leaders. All right, top ten. And let's not forget Jake and Gordon. You've been listening right now on 1280 The Zone. In case you are wondering, the corner three, Jake, is how many feet? What is the corner three? 22-10. Yikes. I'm glad we're not, you're not part of NASA because we've gone <laughs> to the wrong planet. <laughs> Yikes. I'm glad I'm not in with you, Gordon Munson, and the spaceship. All right, 22. 22, correct. How about Jakey? How about the arc extended three? Uh, I'm not sure, Coach. A little further. 23-9. I, I love it. 23-9. Well said. And just in case, this is the 41st year of the NBA three. And it started in 1979 slash 2020. My math's correct. This is the 40, 41st year. All right, here we go. All right, number nine tied in the top ten. There's two lefties on this list. Here's one of the lefties, Rodney Hood, and number nine, Jeff Hornacek. Gordon, I used to love when Harvard said, horny for three. I used to love when he said that all the time. With 439 made threes. Number eight. His nickname was D. Will with 511, Darren Williams. Number seven, Craig Bolajak, our colleague, used to call him all-time money with 517 career threes. He's the best shooting big in Utah, Utah Jazz folklore, Mehmet Okor. Number six, his nickname, Jakey, is Dr. Duncanstein. He's when I coached him, his three-point shot, I used to call it a moon ball. It was this incredible arc three where Gordon, the shot started on Monday, and it got there on Tuesday to the rim. <laughs> I remember. He, he made 530 made threes, no other than Daryl Griffin. A number five, nickname was B. Russ. About this guy was that at Long Beach State back in 93 in that draft where he was really an inside player, slasher, driver. To his credit, he developed himself into a really a, a terrific three-point shooter. He made 540 May threes, Brian Russell. All right, number four, we're going to see him play tomorrow night. He will, be, he will definitely all, he'll be the all-time leader in jazz folklore as far as made threes. He's only 24 years old. His nickname is Spider. He's already made 609 threes in basically three years and a quarter, no other than Donovan Mitchell. Uh, number three, played for the Jazz for seven years. He made 689 threes, Gordon Hayward. Uh, number two, Jake, this guy, we used to beg him to shoot more because when every shot, it always went in, whether regular season or playoffs. He made 845 threes, John Stockton, and number one on the list, the Aussie with a, sw a swag. He's right now a 169th all-time in career NBA history, made three-point shots. He's first in the Jazz franchise at 848. He makes two tomorrow night. He's going to surpass Sam Perkins on that list versus Detroit, no other than our own 
Joe Ingles. Thus, that's my list of Korea Jazz made threes. So I have a question about that, Gordy. If Jeff Hornacek had played the game today for Quinn Snyder on this team, how many threes would that guy really have? He would have uh, he'd be, um, like Stephen Curry type over over um, two thousand and five hundred, because he was an absolutely incredible shooter, and he he made them all. And he had footwork, and a lot of times with three point shooters, besides the confidence, but it starts with footwork and how you catch the ball. So he had this innate ability, Gordon, when the ball was passed to him, he really had his, his hands, fingers gripping that ball in, in motion, and he just catch and fire versus catch, hole, and then shoot. It still might go in, but it goes in dramatically more as far as accuracy when uh, catch and fire. So the so, Jeff Hornets so so last year was, um, for the Jazz was uh, 2,000. So he retired age 37. He retired when he was playing bone-on-bone on, bone on his knees. So uh, just one follow-up question on it. If, if everything else were equal, the same number of games playing a, a, as a jazz player, and you had to pick one guy who you thought was the most accurate shooter of them all, which one? Of the, what name goes to the top? Mehmet Okor. Wow. And the reason why, because most bigs have a hard time, Elias, uh, yesterday against uh, Nikolai Jokic, where bigs have a hard time making a shot as far as guarding. And so if you're bigs in coverage, so I come up on a high pick and roll on a dance dribble, and then the defense is sort of not confused, but they're a little bit slow recovery. I throw back to Mehmet Okor. When his feet are set, he can knock it down. So whenever a big is a knockdown shooter, it's absolutely advantageous especially if you're, the dribbler is pass-happy and is willing to pass the ball to you on time, on target. I would lean towards Mehmet Okor with Joe Ingles, uh, two, and Jeff Hornacek right behind him. There you go. Well, Coach, uh, we appreciate you. Thanks for dropping by. Thanks, guys. Peace out. <laughs> there you go. The great Coach Gordy Chiesa with us here on The Big Show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Did that order surprise you, that last three? Um... I might put Donovan on there. The way he's making catch and shoot threes. You obviously don't. You're fishing for a Jeff Hornacek answer. No, I, I just wondered. I, I don't have an answer. I don't have the correct answer. I just wondered what you thought. Um. Well, I don't think Joe Ingles is going to hold that record for very for very long. Donovan's the fastest player to 600 threes in the in league history. It's pretty amazing. His efficiency is uh, is not quite as high, right? Um, well, I mean, you know, Locke. Uh, when we talked to him on Wednesday, he can give you the exact statistics. But Donovan right now is like the best catch and shoot three shooter in the league. Oh, that's that's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, I'd say that's pretty uh, efficient. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just stress now. And back in the day, I mean. Uh, Jerry Sloan was a layup first coach. I mean, and you talk with Jeff Hornacek about it, and, you know, he was like the the third option at almost every turn. And I, I just think if you give that guy the green light to play in modern basketball and to have that shot stressed and as significant as it is in today's game, I, I just think Jeff Hornacek, uh, his shot was a thing of beauty.